The internet changed everything for sales and marketing. Artificial intelligence is going to change everything again. Welcome to AI for Sales, a show that looks at how artificial intelligence is changing sales. Join noted author, speaker, and AI for Sales expert Chad Burmeister as he interviews cutting-edge founders, CEOs, CROs, CMOs, other business executives, and AI experts on the weekly AI for Sales podcast. Join the AI for Sales revolution. everybody, Chad Burmeister, CEO of ScaleX.ai and the AI for Sales Experts on the Sales Experts channel and also the co-founder of SalesClass.ai. So we haven't talked too much about that, but we will today. So I've got a very special guest with me, Michelle Seeger, who I met, uh, I think, close to a year ago already. It seems like it was five months ago, but Gosh. you know, with everything going on in the world today, it's been a while in Miami. And um, I'm, I'm excited to be able to drill down around AI augmentation, as well as AI, the artificial intelligence side, and all kinds of things. So, Michelle, welcome. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Chad. It's so exciting. I love the audio that you have. I feel like I could hear a pin drop. Oh, thank you. We've been working hard on it. So thanks. Does my yeah, voice sound good? We, it's, we got really, voice it's really good. I think everybody yeah. needs to upgrade their <laughs> microphone in these times. <laughs> the cell phone doesn't do anymore. You've got to have a high-end audio. So well, Michelle you know, is with Sales Globe. She's been there for six years. And prior to that, had some interesting experience in retail where she did 12 years in retail and um, and then ran into some other pandemic kinds of things uh, called 9-11 at the time. So uh, has had a very fun and interesting career. We're going to get into that. I, I want to, you know, when we talked in Miami on, on the stage there at that conference, um, you shared a lot about your passions in life and how you kind of came about uh, becoming the person that you are. So what, what was that little thing that you used to ride when you were a kid called? <laughs> Riding my big wheel. <laughs> Riding the big wheel. So I think you're having a that's book right. that's about to come out on that topic. Well, I've got a podcast that's launching around riding the big wheel. So that is all around riding the big wheel is about women in leadership. And so when we talk about riding the big wheel, what that meant for me um, you asked me a question is what happened, right? So you asked, you put me on the spot and I agreed and you brought up all these things about my past, which were the reasons that I went through years of therapy, right? So <laughs> I really didn't, but boy, you brought up stuff. And uh, you asked me what my favorite childhood memory was and riding my big wheel, big wheel popped into my head. And I got to tell you something, as we looked at the podcast, um, I struggled with the name. For months, we were struggling with the name. And then I, I called up my production manager and I said, oh my God, this is it, riding the big wheel. She's like, what does that mean? And I said, because here's what it's like. When I rode my big wheel, it was like, oh gosh, it was so much fun, but it was exhilarating. It was a little bit scary. And I used to ride down this hill that I think I might've told you, it, it felt like this really big hill and gravel would be hitting my face and it felt really dangerous. I mean, it was, I look back now when I go back home and it was barely a hill, right? A pretty tame a, little hill. Yeah, it was very <laughs> tame. And you know, as, as an adult, I'm thinking, why would my mom let me ride down that hill? Because it was not really a hill. But 
it was scary, exhilarating, but I had so much fun. It was challenging. You never knew what was coming up, you know, next. And I said, that's kind of like a woman in leadership. When you take that, you know, you take that risk, you take that big job, right? It's scary. It's exhilarating. You're always learning something new. It's a little scary. You might not know what's around that next turn. And so you gave me the perfect name and people are really uh, resonating with it. And, you know, the reason I did the podcast for these women is because what I found, Chad, so I consult with sales organizations, as you know, global companies every day. And we meet a lot of women in leadership. And it's very interesting to me that the women say that the higher up they go in rank, that it gets a little earlier for them. And they have less peer-to-peer conversations with other women. So they can have peer-to-peer conversations with men and have no problems with that. But sometimes the challenges or the things that they might be thinking about might be a little bit different. I mean, I know like myself, um, I think I told you, I walked away from a global job. You know, it was a big job and it was a really cool job, but I walked away from it because I knew I, I, I'd made a choice to be home with my children for a, just a short period of time. It was a little more than a year, but I knew that I needed that time to do that. And, you know, not to say that a man wouldn't make that choice, but those are the types of things that women talk about. And they've got wonderful stories of resilience and wonderful stories of like um, success and overcoming, you know, really rough things. And I feel like, you know, we hear all this stuff about all these negative things that happen to women all the time, but guess what? They're powerful and they've got a lot of really cool, great stories out there. And I want them to share them with other women and inspire them to just keep going, right? And right. so- And what's their big wheel, right? Because I'm sure right. everyone has a big wheel. For me, it was a rope climb in elementary school <sighs> from first to sixth grade. So I'm thinking of a new book and I, I haven't figured out the second part, but the name of it's going to be Frictionless. And then oh, it's got to be wonderful. the subtitle I haven't figured out yet, but it's getting in alignment. It's, it's lining your life up to your passions and oh, I love that the steps to doing so. So yes. I think your, yeah, your story of the riding the big wheel was, it, and I think you said it was the, um, the red, blue and yellow kind, not the green. It is. <laughs> That's right. You're yeah. right. That's the one. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. And so we're pretty excited about it. And actually, that's my logo. So it is a big wheel. We, we, we sent out, and you were one of the recipients, I believe, we sent out all these ideas for a logo and everybody resoundingly came back with that big wheel. And you rode the same color big wheel that I did. Yeah, right. I found the picture just a few months <laughs> ago while I was going through some boxes looking for things. So It was, was so fun. Thank so you for saying that So that's interesting how that me. aligns you know, that, that you can think of that riding down the street with the gravel kicking back in your hair and in your face at times. Yes. <laughs> and that's kind of the adventure that you chose. I think you said you went to uh, foreign countries in Europe yes. and traveled the world. And, you know, yes. it was, it, it, you like that feeling of the that's what I do. Yeah, I really do. You know, I got to tell you this one thing about COVID. I was kind of, because uh, this was the year to take the kids you know, to, to Morocco. This was the year. Um, last year, we, we were, I mean, I'm very fortunate we can do that, right? Um, last year, I took them to Scotland, 
in Ireland, which I'd been there before. I actually keynoted there. But yeah, I love the international travel. Um, ideally, I could bring them back to India with me and take them out in the desert. So I want to do the desert in India and do some elephant riding. But I don't know. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what that looks like now with um, travel. But I suspect we'll get back to it. But yeah, I do like that. Um, how many people do you know that would go away, I guess? I, I never really thought about myself as being really adventurous because you won't see me jumping out of airplanes, for example. But I did go to Italy. I took my husband on a, a trip for his birthday at a cooking school and saw this product line many times and ended up negotiating with the franchisor to bring the product to the United States. That was kind of risky, I guess, and adventurous um, and spent a lot of time over there. So it was kind of fun. But it, it um, yeah, I guess, you know, what do I love? Big challenges are exciting. And when I can do something like what we're doing here at Sales Globe and also change people's lives, our clients' lives, as well as people that work for our company, that's like, the pinnacle for me. It just mm. makes it all worth it. Well, there's a lot of challenges right now because of the last two yes. quarters of people, you know, locked down for travel, business models are changing, field mm. salespeople are becoming inside salespeople. Um, I'm sure compensation plans are having to be looked at. I know your business partner, Mark um, Donolo, is one of the foremost thought leaders around compensation plans. And you guys do a lot of reporting in this area. What have you found from a comp perspective? I remember 9-11 and I remember being with the company that said, okay, good news. We reset the plan downwards for the second half of the year. And it was fabulous. Um, and, it, and it caused us as sellers to be um, excited to work there. Like, okay, they get it. Yeah. And then I heard of other companies that said, oh, no, we've got to make it up in Q4. And it's like, wait, you need me to sell three quarters of my year in one quarter? So what are you seeing out there? Are people making the adjustment or are they adding more top of funnel? Like what's going on with compensation right now? Great question. So every single day we are on the phone with executives figuring out what's going on and asking them questions. And let me, let me back up and tell you just a couple stats, which is kind of interesting. So there was a, a survey that was done by Fortune. Over 90% of Fortune 500s participated in it. And we're constantly watching surveys that are bigger than the ones that we're doing, including the ones that we're doing. And um, it said that basically 35% of companies are expecting that they'll return to work in some capacity by the end of Q1 in 2021. That means that over half of companies are still not going to be open for business and meaning back in an office and 26% of those companies at the end of September said, we don't even have a timeline for opening. So you see how that is impacting B2B sales. Not only how do I connect with my buyer, but also if I was selling a product or service that enabled people in the workplace, I might be a little screwed. I hope I can set that word on your podcast. So it's, you know, it's just been a challenge. Yes, yes. So what we found is that companies are taking three positions, but then I'll, I'll be really specific with what they're doing. It's, it all comes down to when we consult, we say, okay, let's not talk about what you want to do. Let's talk about your comp philosophy first. So how do you want to be seen coming out of this? 
And this would refer to, um, this pertains to both corporate as well as selling roles, even though the salespeople with their incentive, they've got a lot more pay at risk, right? So it's the first one, which is we're going to suck it up, right? So me as the company, we're not going to have you take any type of hit at all. We are just going to absorb it. We've been fiscally responsible and sound. And those same companies, before they touch comp, those are the same ones that said, okay, we're going to start with layoffs, however, because, you know, cost requirements. And they look at their bottom 10th percentile. That's what they've been doing, is they've been laying off people first, right? And they're not touching comp. Then there's the middle of the road that says, okay, we're going to do something in the middle. Oh, and that first one, by the way, that first scenario, which also could apply in the second and third scenario I'm giving you, executive team is saying, I'll take the hit. So they're either taking reduced salary. In some cases, we have some that are taking no salary and um, or giving up you know, their incentive. The second one is like, okay, let's, let's have a give and take here. So we're going to have to make some change, but not all the change. And then the third is, okay, we're just going to, we, we actually have some companies that for 2021 have said, we're not even going to have quotas. We're just going to pay commission, right? So it's, it's like been all over. So what we're seeing is, and you may or may not know, we did a, a survey with World at Work on this as well and said, what are you doing with your comp and what are you doing with your quotas? And at the end of Q2, it was still wait and see. You know, so at the end of June, still wait and see. Even now, a little wait and see. As we're now getting ready for 2021, what we're finding is that uh, on, we'll talk about quotas first because that directly impacts comp. On quotas, what we're finding is instead of setting a year-long quota, because of the um, really not being able to look and set your quotas the way you did before, so history is history. Don't even think about looking at 2020, right? To have right. your 2021. It's almost set, set a quarterly plan or maybe a half-year plan. That's what they're looking at. So yeah. quarterly is the most popular some and some are doing discrete quotas, right? So discrete quota periods that they're resetting or cumulative, um, but they're still adjusting. So we're finding that we have we have been very surprised that two in the last week, two Fortune 500 companies said no quotas next year. Interesting, mm -hmm. right? Interesting. Well, that's real interesting. I remember Chris Beal. I think you've met Chris Beal, but mm -hmm. perhaps. Yes. And he's always said, why do companies have quotas in the first place? And there's mixed feelings on all of that. But his view was always, hey, let's focus on the activities and drive whatever the outcome can be had versus setting some randomized outcome. So what do you think will happen as a result of not setting quotas? I, I, I've seen it a little more when I lived in North Carolina, to be honest. There were four mm -hmm. or five companies that would come to my AAISP meetings <laughs> and say, oh, yeah, we don't have a quota. We just sell whatever we can sell and we get paid a commission on it. Right. So is that a, what's the pro, what's the con to that? So the con is, well, okay, pro con. The pro and con is that it motivates people, right? Because they've got limitless 
capability to earn. But with quotas, you do too if you don't cap your plan, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't do that. The tough part is it's very hard to manage your cost of sales. Secondly, if you don't manage, you know, some people will be very motivated to earn and, um, and some people won't as motivated to earn. Some will be a really good seller and they're happy level and then they're just done. So the, the con is that it doesn't allow you to actually manage or grow a territory consistently. And if you have a little bit of discipline around what's my sales capacity and what, what percentage of time do I expect people to sell, right? And then how do I want to grow in a certain territory? If you set a quota, it just helps you manage your cost of sales as well as manage your people appropriately when you're aligning them with opportunities and areas and you expect them to hit or to, let's see, to reach for a certain goal. So, you know, the pros of having a commission plan with new businesses is A, you don't know what you're going to sell. And if you, if you um, know that the opportunity is equal across, you know, your entire territory, then a commission plan is fair. When it becomes unfair is if I happen to be in, oh gosh, let's see, Andalusia, Alabama. I don't know. Let's assume it's got a low population. They might. I think they do. And compare that to a metro area like Atlanta. So my downtown Atlanta area person, if he or she has a quota, which would be higher naturally than Andalusia, Alabama, you would have Andalusia, Alabama would still be that person where you want to grow would still be given a quota and pay that um, is fair and equal to the Atlanta person who may have a higher quota though, right? Yeah, but you just yeah, rate yeah, it differently. Yeah, yeah, so right. really, quotas just help you normalize um, Right, because one person might make 14%, another might make 4%. And that's exactly how you yeah, do it, yeah, right? Yeah. So anyway, um, so what are we seeing as we head into next year? We are definitely, Chad, looking at because elongated sales cycles we know are happening. So deals are taking longer to close and buyers are more hesitant. Their budgets aren't the same size, right? So it, as what they had, and they're only buying that which is completely necessary. So what we're finding is that people are definitely making part of their plans. If they pay it on revenue, they're starting to pay some on bookings, a portion on bookings, and we can work with you. We do this all day long with how you don't overpay on bookings, right? You can manage your cost of sale on that. So you're not uh, clawing it back, which we don't like to take money back once we give it. That's a bad practice. Mm -hmm. uh, but we are finding bookings are, are starting to be a piece of the measure to help people continue to be motivated to close that, that deal that might take longer. And um, we're also seeing to a point that you made, we are starting to look at some activities. So activities that push something, though, it's got to have a customer response. We always say customer response required, so it's tangible proof source that is pushing it along the funnel. So we're starting to see those types of changes in plans, um, more like quarterly and discrete quota periods that are being set for next year. And um, like I said, a couple that said no quota next year, but that's kind of where things are headed right now. Interesting. I sent out, I think it was either the Fortune or a Forbes 
article on compensation maybe two quarters ago, right? You know, maybe April, May timeframe. And I got an interesting response from a SVP of sales from a technology company that, that just said, oh, wow, this is interesting. Let's talk about it. And I don't claim to be the compensation expert, but just by providing that level of context, they came back to us and said, hey, I'm taking the sales development team from marketing, putting it in sales, and I'm taking marketing and putting it under my role as CRO. And so he said, so I now care about compensation, but I also care about top of funnel pipeline generation. So that's why he was interested in having a conversation because he, you know, after he saw that study that we provided, he reached out and wanted to talk about, okay, now that I understand that we're going to have a problem, how can you help? So I guess the point is, if you haven't attended one of the Sales Globe meetings that you guys are running every Friday that I've seen, yes, um, they're fabulous Friday. because whether you're a vendor and you're trying to reach out to prospects or an SVP of sales or a CMO or a CEO, doesn't matter. On both sides of the equation, it's valuable to understand what's going on in the world as it relates to things like sales compensation. Thank you for that. Um, you know, and what we're doing is every single day, like I said, we are on the phone with, uh, well, Fortune 1000 company leaders, finding out what it is they're doing and then how to best respond. And I'll tell you what, the one thing that we know is that it's changing. I mean, almost daily, it's crazy how things are changing. And you mentioned something a little bit earlier I'd like to bring up. So I am writing a book on inside sales. Remember that. You're going to be talking to me about that book. But on the inside sales, you said um, field sales, they're selling from the inside. Now, I just want to be really clear. I'd love to, to talk to you about this because you are also an inside sales person. And then we need to talk about AI. But I do not view that. Um, so last week on our roundtable, we actually did something about inside sales and the evolution of it and how what, what is happening as a result of COVID, right? So we already knew companies were very interested in inside sales and having more interest in it because of things like, oh God, the age of, of information in the hand of buyers and uh, unified communications, like communications like what we're on now becoming more ubiquitous, which really has, has changed with COVID and companies needing to be more efficient as they scale, um, you know, different, oh, and globalization, of course, and the, the ability to be where your client needs you when he or she needs you. So those things, and then COVID really drove this desire for inside sales. But just because you're selling remotely from your home, that doesn't mean you're an inside sales person. Yeah, right. That's, That's a my really feeling. interesting concept because- what you don't want to do is become the high transactional rep selling 70% of the deals that are under $5,000. That's, that would be a very bad idea for a field rep that sells hundred thousand dollar deals to hit a million dollar quota. You still have a need for the high velocity inside salesperson. So I guess yep. I would amend my statement to say <laughs> that you're using some of the tools and technologies that an inside salesperson uses on a day-to-day -day basis, right? And yeah, so and you were not- population had to move up pretty quickly. 
Yes. And you are not incorrect with what you said. They are selling inside. Um, it's just that I don't, what we're trying to help people understand, because leaders are saying, right? They're saying, oh my God, we'll just turn them all into, should we turn them all into inside sales? And the answer is no. Now maybe titles change, right? Because one of the models that we see hmm. that um, at pre-COVID, right, there were two different partnering models that we were seeing a lot where an inside sales role was either A, assisting, almost pulling a lot of the administrative burden away from the field salesperson to a partnership where one is selling more, maybe more of those transactional products and services and renewals and handling contracts, and the field person was the one on site. So if, if, if I tell you my take on the future salesperson, the future of the field role, if you will, whether he or she is selling from a Zoom platform and sometimes on site, I do believe on site hasn't gone away 100%. But I do believe that um, the role is changing. And this goes right into AI, where what I do believe is that you've got this inside, whatever we call them, transactional sellers, um, whether they're individuals that are conducting demos. But I see this higher skilled role evolving. We've been saying it's been coming but we call them what we call ourselves really data-driven creative problem solvers. So we believe that especially as the buyers are home, they need information. They want information. So me as a seller, it would be great if I could start providing stuff just like you. You don't, you don't sell comp, but you provided something of value out to the marketplace, you know, meaning you don't consult in comp, mm -hmm. out to the marketplace that was interesting and they needed it and they responded to that. It's about getting conversations going, intelligent conversations that will resonate with your buyer. And also sellers have to be more savvy about just who their buyers are and how the market is changing and how the buyer's needs have changed because now they're selling from potentially their living room and that might be going on for the next year. So how have their pain points changed and their needs changed? So yeah. I believe that you're going to still have teamed roles too, whether they're inside or outside or field. But I, I don't believe that. I, I just want to caution everyone. I keep stepping out there and saying, just because you're remote and working from home, that's not inside sales. Yeah, that's, that's well put because I've seen some companies – just like you've heard the term for 25 years or however long you've been in this world of yeah. selling, marketing's the first to go. And the second to go is SDRs and BDRs that I've seen or yes. ISRs, inside sales reps that overlay to a, to a quota carrying field seller. Yeah. And that's not always the best thing to do because now you've just cut off a very important part of their tool set. So so let's pivot then into the, the role of AI in this because yes. it feels to me that some of the lower end work, calling into a switchboard and navigating a phone tree or writing an email that's customized to a specific buyer type or persona or personality for that matter, it seems to me that the line will be moving up of what AI can or can't handle. And I think the shift of a lot of people being let go from the middle SDR, BDR role, at least we're seeing, we've seen a double in business in the last 90 to 100 days. 
because, hey, we don't have those people anymore. Can we use technology in place of some of that? Yes. Yep. Are you seeing that um, in the market and how? So what we're seeing in the market is that right now we're not seeing, we haven't seen a lot of inside salespeople being uh, terminated. In fact, what we're, what we're seeing is that sales is the last place that they're going. This is what we're seeing. And what we're also seeing is that they're starting with the, bot the, the bottom 10th percentile and then maybe going up to 20th percentile. Here's what we see. We see that people are trying to figure it out. Like, what can we do? Because here's what's going on. I'm going to pick on a particular industry where this isn't, where it's like a little bit crazy. And then we'll talk about what AI is doing. The inside salespeople that were handling, uh, okay, so let's talk about like a big cable company, for example. Inside sales is uh, traditionally was handling resi, residential, right? Residential business has tripled and is carrying these companies. We know this. Mm. The high-end field sales rep was doing all the B2B, right? All the networking and these big businesses. Guess what? The buildings are empty and there's no one to visit. So they're like sucking wind. And that's almost a reverse in that when they're going, oh my God, we're not getting rid of our highly skilled field salespeople, but okay, we're, we're trying to figure out what to do with them, right? But our, our sellers, they're at home and what they're finding is these centers of excellence that they had before, right? So we see inside sales as a center of excellence. I'm sure that you do as well. When people are together, right? And they've got the leader boards and they can leverage what other people are doing. They're not doing that as much. So what we're seeing is that they're trying to, or they're looking at employing technology that's helping them understand what people's activities are, not like big brother, but like, what are they doing? Email and CRM activity, and then taking that information and understanding what the, the best sellers are doing and having managers coach to that, right? Um, as far as elimination of SDR, BDR, I can tell you that what we're seeing is that technology is being leveraged at the top of the funnel to um, automate those activities, just like what you said, so that these guys can take what we're seeing is not eliminating their role, but allowing them to hit a bigger mass mm -hmm. because it seems that they need to hit a bigger mass because there are less opportunities in particular regions than they had before. So I see that um, continuing to use it. By the way, I know this company, it's called ScaleX, and I, I'm not trying to promote, I really am not, but I got to tell you, it's a really, it's a very simple, easy to use tool. And I think you may know, like our, our colleagues are asking us about it, right? And so we, we talked to them about you a little bit, but it's just smart. All you did there was just something smart and you didn't eliminate and people, but what you did was you're allowing, I guess you can do one or two things you can eliminate people and put them into more higher order work, which is the idea, but also it allows you to hit the scale and the mass that they need to see. So we're seeing a lot of that. Yeah. Well, I remember you had someone doing copying and pasting work for several hours a day. And I was like, do you know, since we met at the conference that there's a tool for that and it automates everything. 
and, and you're then, not supposed to talk about what we do here. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, it's, okay. it's, it's not intuitive, right? If you don't know it no. doesn't exist, then how can you? So I'll, I'll flip the, there you go. There's yep. the scale X uh, yeah. landing there. It works well. <laughs> it does though. Yeah. But you're right. And then what does that allow me? Okay, so we're joking, but here's what it did. I don't have an SDR and a BDR. That's my marketing team that helps us. And we get words out, word out about there about the... Um, the round table and other things that we're doing here at Sales Globe to really help companies. And uh, by the way, that's the other thing that I think AI can do is I believe that as we get into 2021, we still, we saw this shift of sellers from just selling to really helping customers, right? Helping them with the problems that they have today. And I do believe that AI can help them with that, right? How does it help a seller? Well, first of all, you can leverage AI by understanding your buyer more, right, through LinkedIn and leveraging this type of technology to help you understand who your buyer is and the attributes of your buyer. And then you can also use it to, to help you understand pain points in the industry, what's going on in the industry. And gosh, I bet you use, I do, I use the Google alerts to find out certain things. I'm yeah. always looking at women in leadership, mergers and acquisitions, what's happening in certain areas, and they can just target and get information right at their fingertips. That was so difficult. I mean, can you, I, sometimes I marvel at just how much has happened in the past five years, let alone decade. Well, remember when we were at the conference, we talked about Crystal Mose, and that plugs yes. in your LinkedIn <laughs> and tells you beyond a reasonable doubt more about your, you than you know about yourself. I you used it on me yeah, or against reading, me. I don't know. Just getting flush. <laughs> but there's a new one that I ran into recently called Bank, B-A-N-K. And, it, and you can take it and it only takes five minutes to fill out the form. And it tells you, are you N-K-A-B-B-A-N-K? It depends. And so depending on what your personality is, it tells you how to talk to people that have similar, oh. you know, similar or different type of personalities. And so wow. this woman was apparently invited into the UN, the CEO of this company, mm -hmm. and she is a powerful person. She goes, look, I've been using this type of approach for 30 years, but now I've been asked to put it into a technology and that's what they've been doing. So if you're sending an email, if you're leaving a voicemail, if you're doing a sales call, doesn't matter. If you can line up it almost makes me think of biblical terms of speaking in tongues. Wow. Right? Oh think my about gosh, talking yes. to your children, your wife, your husband. Wow. I mean, just having that level of understanding can make you so much more uh, impactful in what it is. Oh boy, I love that. I, you know, I, I really love communications. I really like communicating with people, learning about other cultures and people and really connecting I love nothing more than when I'm on a, a really difficult, tough project that's hard to change and we know it needs to happen. And when they get it, when we finally, you know, get there, I love that. Yes. So having skills like that, I'm going to go out to bank. Yeah, having skills check it like out. That, it was, it's something else. I actually attended one of their webinars recently and I was, I, you know, you never know what you're going to get when you get there. And I was, right. I was so, so impressed by it. So. We'll post wow. it in the uh, in the notes below because I think when I look up bank, Bank of America comes up. So I have to remember oh. what the website is. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and then you've heard of HBDI. That's one of the things that we use here. When we, so we, we have a couple different assessment tools that we use um, to help people understand the talent that they have, but thinking styles, that's the Herman Brain Dominance Instrument. And it tells you, you know, uh, if you're more analytical, are you more, you know, creative? Are you, it just, it talks about, you know, are you more feeling? And it, and it, it tells you under normal situations and then under stressful situations, how you communicate and how you receive. It's really interesting. Mm. And it's spot on as far as like thinking styles. And I just like it because like when I took it, it told me a little bit more about myself than I even knew, but made me aware and helped me understand, you know, how I might want to pivot some things, especially under stress when I'm talking to my kids, for example. Interesting. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's another, <laughs> I, I met a guy in Utah last week. It was my first big uh -huh. travel to a CEO. Yeah. How it, was that, by the way? It was so cool. I saw was, you posted yeah. on LinkedIn. It was called the Brilliant Minds Group, and this lady Sandra Fan. They invited you. Yeah, yeah. I was. I think <laughs> I was brilliant. the. Um, I I was. Yeah, I was amazed. I was one of the only non Mormons, I think, in the room. I'm no. not gonna lie, uh, but I I'd never had experience with so many people of that kind of. Wow. My my camera keeps getting out of focus here. It seems like I have to lean in or something. Um, yeah, this is the same camera Alice Hyman has. Let me see if I can Aww. get that to focus. That's funny. That's um, weird. So it was fabulous. I met a guy who created a $1 billion business in rental cars, high end, like Ferraris and Rolls Royces. And he no. just turned 30 on the day of the event. And he, seven years ago, he was a manager at a cell phone store in China. He had a translator with him. Yeah. Oh my God. He's fabulous. A billion dollars. He, he showed me his Rolls Royce at lunch and he pulled an umbrella out of the car door. He goes, look at this. <laughs> oh my God. He's, he said, that's $3,000 for that umbrella. The most expensive umbrella you can buy. Oh my God. So you and I are going to have to discuss this because I want to know how we become this brilliant mind. Yeah. Well, it's, there's so many people wow. are so creative and fabulous. Yes that you just have to spend the time and invest in having the conversations. And when you have someone like Sandra who can put the tables together, you know, Wonderful. one time you're either a six of spades or a seven, eight, nine, ten. So you get to mix up that way or oh, cool. you're a dinosaur. So it was all random setups of who gets to meet who at what table. And then they run an exercise for 30 to 45 minutes. And it was oh my gosh. all day of So that. this was really like meeting and greeting and getting to know these people and what they did and yeah. how they did it. How wonderful. You know, I got to tell you, um, Mark and I, my partner and I are always talking about how we are most creative and come up with the best ideas when we make the time to think and to connect. It's like when you're just working, it doesn't work, right? You've got to step back and talk to other people, open your mind, spend time taking in, and then just spending time thinking. And thinking is not like researching and working. It's actually thinking, right? Um, yes. Well, here, let me give you one big takeaway from the week. Yeah. You're going to appreciate this because her name was Michelle. Huh. 
And <laughs> on the second day, we did a race at the second biggest racetrack on a go-kart track in the country. It's called uh, The Grid. And so Michelle and I were walking in at the same time. And she, you can tell she's a competitor. So uh-huh. we walk in and, and um, they checked her in. And there was about three of us at the time out of a group of 70. And they go, oh, are you here to race today? She goes, no, I'm here to win. And so me oh. and this other guy were like, oh, interesting. Because that's the perspective. She just wants, yes. she is there to win. That's the mind, it's a mindset. So yes. I knew it. And I'm like, okay, Michelle, I've been to a lot of these. I'm like, don't get your hopes up too high. Because I get it. You're about 110 pounds and I'm 210. So you <laughs> might have a little advantage, but I'm pretty, you know, and I didn't say this to her, obviously, but that's what I was thinking. And I'm like, but I'm going <laughs> to. Well, on the very first round, she beat me by 0.46 seconds. And oh. I was like, are you kidding me? I literally couldn't believe it. <laughs> and then I went to the guy, I said, okay. And she was 10 feet away from me. I go, how do I gain one second on the next race? And he goes, <laughs> he goes just don't break. And so she heard it and she obviously followed the same rule because we now <laughs> both shaved off four seconds, but she shaved off four of her original time and so she beat me again. And then oh I gave God. up and I was like, okay, I'm going to go hang out because I get a little dizzy from these things. So uh-huh. she kept going and she ended up being number three out of a group of 60 to 70 people. They're oh two my brother gosh. The people who won. But yeah, <laughs> my point of that story was I have a mindset of, oh yeah, this, this gal, she, Michelle, she can't beat me. Like I, and, and I was yeah. very, very impressed so wow. women in sales, I tell you, give oh, women yeah. a chance, especially if their name's Michelle. Oh, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. I think and so. talk about women in sales. Want to talk about that for a second? Yeah, let's go there. They're good. Good, right? So we did this whole thing around, um, I'd love to get your perspective on this. Well, let's talk about the remote selling inside, right? So we're talking about um, every week on the round table, what are the things that are making the difference? And um, we already know, we talked about the ability to be able to uh, analyze data, go out there and, and use information, but it's also being able to understand the story of your client, of your customer, like really understand, not just, oh, they can't pay for this invoice right now, or, oh, this order is being delayed but really the story behind it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when you understand the story, you can actually diagnose what the real issue is and how you might be able to be the one to solve it. So I believe that, well, a lot of the studies I've done and HBDI is, is holding out true too, but women seem to be more comfortable understanding the story and, and asking those questions. Yeah. And um, I would even relate it a little bit to emotional intelligence because, yeah. you know, sometimes again, we're generalizing. So we'll, we'll kind of we'll say, yeah, we're generalizing we're, we're painting a, a broad brush, but I get it. Yeah. Um, I'm the same way. I, I tend to be very analytical. And so it took a long time for me to build the muscle to understand what's the emotion that, that this causes and then what yeah. what need attaches to that emotion so there's a there's a lot of yeah i think my wife has a general better ability to understand certain situations mm-hmm. and you know if she was in sales which she sort of is she's in commercial property management um 
she does the property management side, but she definitely has an advantage there. So if you, as, as this world changes and we have more conversations, you can't just connect at the surface. You have to truly right. understand what's, what's the why beneath the why, right? I will tell you a story. So my husband ran a business unit at Georgia Pacific for years. So that would be sales, marketing, customer service. He ran it all. And yet, okay, he came home and one of his biggest clients had had their first grandchild, right? And I, I had been, you know, this man had stayed at our house. We had met him in New York several times. Like I knew this person very well. And I said, and so my husband came home and he said to me, Ron, he said, they had their first grandbaby. I said, oh my God. So what was the baby's name? And he said, I don't know. I didn't ask him. And I said, well, was it a boy or a girl? And he said, Michelle, I didn't get that uh, level of detail. They had the baby. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but I didn't know the story. I didn't know anything, right? So, you know, I, I think that they tend to just naturally are more inquisitive. And, you know, um, gosh, my husband probably could have told you some analytical fact around, you know, how long was the woman in labor? No, that's not true. But <laughs> yeah, right. Know. No, but I follow but your it's point, just the, right? The Getting to the emotional thing. intelligence level is yeah. so powerful and important these days. Yeah. I talked, uh, have you ever heard of someone named Merit Khan? She's in Colorado National Speaker Association. And she's doing no. a partnership with another person. I think her name's uh, Holmes is her last name. I'm not, okay. I'm blanking on the first name, but they put a podcast together and Holmes talks about the technology side and Merritt talks about the in-person human connection side. And she yep. was starting to get a feeling and she thought coming on my webinar that day, she thought, oh, technology's taking over and what I do that teach people how to have emotional connection, that's going to be lower and lower and be less important. So she was almost feeling start to become irrelevant in that area. And after our conversation, she was like, whoa, I didn't even think about the conversation yeah. we're having right now that says, no, 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 no. It's more important than ever before. Right. That's right. So don't more let all the technology run away with, with the show because that's just the piece that gets you more at bats. Well, if you that's have more right. at bats, you need to be able to have good at bats. Right. That's exactly right. You got to be able to leverage that stuff. So don't be afraid of it. I, I completely agree with you. Don't be afraid of it. Embrace it. Make it your friend so that you can do the things that really matter, which is solving your customers' problems and being yes. there when they need you, right? Yeah. So that's, yeah, what, yeah. that's what I would say. You know, to I met with a company this morning and it was a referral from another customer. And this other customer spent probably 40000 the first time, thirty five the second time through a full outbound campaign, et cetera, et cetera. And so he had that uh, understanding that that's what the cost was going to be. Well, I went in and diagnosed the problem and it was a $6,850 problem. It wasn't a $40,000 problem. Wow. And he was like, I got to tell you, I thought this was going to be like, I had budget and was ready to spend 30 to 40. I'm like, I really don't care about what your budget was. I care about what you need. I'm going to map the solution and you're going to come back to me again and again. And you're going to tell your friends. Because I didn't come in That's and it. overcharge you $35,000. Where other sellers, oh, well, what kind of budget are you looking at? $250,000? Oh. Awesome. And I've seen it happen right in front of my eyes. 
and it frustrates me when people I know. Right? that's how we are i know i know our clients we want them for life we we say that and so I, every every engagement i look at it like how do i want to be treated and that's yeah. what we do yeah how yeah. do how do you what's your business problem and sometimes guess what i don't know how to solve it i'm going to say Right. Have you, like, have you talked to Definitive Healthcare? This one company sells to healthcare. I'm like, I, yeah, you should go call Definitive Healthcare. They're good. Like, <laughs> oh, three people told me that. I'm like, yeah, see, then they're right. <laughs> so that's I, right. That's what you have to do. Well, that's the other thing, right? If you are really good at your craft, or if you're really good at what you do, then you confidently refer people to other people. Mm. That could be, you know, I mean, and and don't worry about that, right? What we, what we say is that in our own business, I mean, we're consultants, but at the end of the day, we're selling consulting services, right? We're selling. And at the end of the day, it's what can we solve for? And, and if we can't admit it, right, and be really good about what's out there. So, um, gosh, I can tell you that there are some things I've got our consultants doing. So quarterly, they get, um, we take them through, Salesforce will give a demo on like, okay, what's the latest and greatest things that are happening in CRM? We have SPM providers that come in and it's like, what are your latest features and functionality? And we work very hard to understand things like your product set and things like other products that are out there that can enable our clients, right? So we don't have that solution, but we want our consultants to be able to talk about that, right? So that when people have questions around technology enablement and what works and what doesn't, we understand and we can help them and guide them along their, their journey of just doing business themselves, right? Because we want to be there when you need us and think about us when you don't. Yeah, that's right. Well, here, I'll leave you with one. Uh, Hyperize is pretty cool. Okay. It's like $99 a month and they can completely customize your, either your website experience, your landing page experience, so that when someone comes in, it knows their IP address and it can say, oh, Michelle, welcome back. How's Sales Globe? And it can even have your logo in a YouTube video. Like they showed someone holding a, a book or an iPad and it moves around with the Sales Globe logo on it. No. And it's like oh, $99 that's pretty a month. Funny. Yeah. Wow. You know, and that's, that's where we're going is hyper-personalization. People can't get their arms around that many data records of around what AI can look at. So it, it lets you, you know, a normal human being who can only process a certain number of transactions in your mind become a human calculator because now you've got access at your fingertips to these kinds of tools and technology. So... It's yeah. going to be an interesting world. I just hope oh, yeah. the ethical side of it is going to be interesting. They need to have an oversight committee because when you have this much power at your fingertips, if you're doing something that's not good, then uh, that, you know, that's not a good thing. Oh, gosh, I agree with you. And, you know, I think about the younger generations like my kids, they don't care. Like, I'll say, wait a minute, what about, you know, your privacy? What? I don't have any privacy, mom. I already don't have it. It doesn't matter. I'm like, really? You know, it's really interesting. I don't know what that's going to mean. You know, I, 
I'm well, not sure Henry Shuck did mean. a really good interview with Dave Elkington on this last hey. week at the Chat Funnels Demand Gen Summit. There were like 2,000 people. And Henry said, well, look, the government gives a certain requirement around what's, what you should or shouldn't do with privacy. He goes, but right. you, what you really need to do as a good company is take it to the next level. So he goes, what we did is when they started coming out with the California law, we actually mm -hmm. went out to every single person in our entire network and said, hey, Michelle, you're in our data set for Zoom slash Discover. Um, is that okay? We have information on you. You're, you know, and if you saw the social experiment on Netflix, like most people have yes. by now, yes. it's like, hey, they admitted it. Hey, you are the product. Are yeah. you okay with that? And here's the level of information that we have. And so I think that's where it gets to where it's like, well, in this part of your website, I'm okay with exposing it to you. But in this other part of your website, no, 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 that's private. I think it just gets to be to a level where, yeah, there's got to be some level of exposure because it's valuable for me. But at the same time, I don't want you to mind control me either. <laughs> Completely. That's how I feel about it. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know. I, I'm different. You know, I'm constantly yelling at my high schooler. She's kind of, I don't know why. Like, you know, this is what I look like when I go home from work, right? You know, and then in the evening, I put my sweats on. I'm pulling my hair back. That's when my kid wants to like, hey, mom. And she's asking me these questions and she's recording me and putting me on friggin' Snapchat <laughs> or something. And I'm like, stop. Yeah. You're not allowed to do that, right? This is my privacy. Mom, who cares? It's my right, not yours, right? It's constant. And I'm just like, oh my God, it's <laughs> crazy right. anyway. Well, yeah. this has been a fabulous conversation. Salesglobe.com. If you haven't checked out one of the roundtables, I highly encourage it. Um, if you don't know Mark Donolo, you should. He is the thought leader expert in the world on compensation. And Michelle is putting out a podcast momentarily so if you want to ride the big wheel, then you know where yes. to go. Have a conversation. If you're women in sales, women in leadership, um, I highly encourage you to have a conversation with Michelle if you have the opportunity. Thank you, Chad. It's been a real pleasure talking to you as usual. And I'm sure we will see you again soon. Yeah. Well, you know, I was supposed to come to Atlanta for a conference and uh, it pushed <sighs> once, it pushed twice. So I'll see you in 2021, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, I know. We'll see you in 2021. We'll be getting together, I'm sure. That's right. All right, everybody. Thanks Thank lot, you for Chad. joining today. We will catch you on the flip side. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank you for listening to another episode of the AI for Sales podcast with Chad Burmeister. As we advance into the future, we promise to bring you the resources you need to navigate the ever-changing landscape of sales to help you 5x, 10x, or even 100x your sales motion sales velocity through artificial intelligence. To access the show notes or leave a review, visit www.scalex.ai. Until next time.